listening to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Hello, welcome to the Raising Teens podcast with psychologist and teacher Colette Smart. I'm not Colette, I'm Ben McKechn, but I'm joined by Colette. How are you? I'm good. Colette, we are going to talk about what if your teen does not want to attend school. My daughters are very young. They're just at the start of school. They seem to quite like going. But what if your teen is just point blank refusing to go? So that is actually something that we call school refusal. Mm. Uh, us psychologists always have terms for everything, don't we? <laughs> yes, you do. Some, some name. Um, but really what it is, it's, it really boils down to a form of anxiety. And, I mean, as human beings, we all have these unhelpful automatic thoughts, these automatic habits, these ways that we think in terms of fear. So, for example, your teen might think, um, I'm so afraid no one's going to like me or I'm afraid of being alone or I'm afraid of failing a subject. Yes. But it's not just a fleeting fear. It's something that just magnifies and builds and builds and begins to paralyze them. And it feeds on itself and really just drains their motivation. And so even for teens, I think those particularly with what we call social anxiety or even separation anxiety disorder, or we call SAD, we often think of separation anxiety as a little children's issue, Mm. you know, separating from mom or dad. But I think particularly now around, you know, having dealt with a pandemic for a number of years and our young people being in lockdown for so long, those who have struggled with school anxiety or being afraid of um, uh, or, or having anxieties around socialising or separation from their loved ones, re-entering the school environment has been or is very difficult for some of them because they haven't had to face any of their fears for months. And so school refusal really is um, about avoidance. Avoidance is really a key component for many forms of anxiety. But for school refusal or school anxiety, they have this reluctance to interact with other people or, or situations for fear of looking stupid or something terrible going on for them. And avoiding school is just the easiest way for them not to have to face their fears. So how does a parent recognise this, Colette? Because you know, in the teen years, lots of stuff going on, including some days you just wake up and like, I don't really want to go to school. And so you um, be a bit Ferris Bueller and just say, (laughs) ah, I'm a little bit sick. But how does does a parent recognise the sickness and just trying to get out of a day school versus school refusal and the anxiety that can be behind that? So, yeah. So like you said, we all have days where we're tired or or we're exhausted and we just don't feel like going to school. But, But school anxiety or school refusal, there's much more of a pattern. So we look at kind of clinical indications. And so that's when our children are just, or our teens are caught up in this real fear-based thinking. And we need to help them focus their fear-based energy on some kind of well-defined goal, something realistic that they can change or that they would like to change. That It's really in small steps. Let me just back up a bit, talking about how we, first we look at uh, what I call the P, B and C areas. Oh, you've and always so, got terms yeah, for everything, I know, Colette. I told you. So the P, B and, and C. C. And those are, that's just for, for um, our listener to kind of 
think of it quickly before they have to think of the longer terms. Yes. So it's really P, B, and C is really just your physical. Um, is P, B is your behavior, and C is cognitive. Cognitive is whatever's going on inside your mind or your brain. And so we look at, in terms of the physical symptoms, it's the physical con- complaints like your stomach aches, headaches, feeling dizzy, not feeling good, and not just one day, but it's becoming a pattern. Uh, behaviorally, this is the most common and disruptive s- symptom, which is the school refusal. But it can start off with not wanting to get dressed in the morning or do other parts of the morning routine, things that they know will make it really hard for them to get out of the door or for you to get them out of the door. Purposely missing the bus, um, not finishing homework so that they definitely can't go to school because they'll be in trouble. Um and then the complete refusal. So just wanting to um, leave school early or um, starting late, mm. uh, absolute meltdowns upon a- arrival at school, crying, not wanting to get out of the car. And then the cognitive, this is the, the worries and fears, the excessive worries and fears, uh, even to the point of uh, thinking about or engaging in self-harm. Uh-huh. Um, but when we talk about cognitions, it's also the fears of Caregivers. So this is why we talk about separation anxiety. You might have had a parent who had a long-term illness, cancer, whatever it might be, um, sick with COVID. And so it magnifies into this fear that your parent might die when you're at school. So you don't want to leave your parent and it becomes this this pattern of not wanting to go to school, uh, fearing losing connection with your parents or or a sibling that's ill. And so it's really just um, strategies we need to then look at to put in place to engage these P, B and C areas to help overcome those. And you started speaking about that a little bit earlier before you got onto the P, B and C. So now you've outlined the P, B and C. What are some of those strategies that a parent can deploy to help their teen to want to attend school, let alone actually doing it? So uh, very very often by the time we've got to full-blown school refusal, uh, you often need intervention uh, with a mental health professional. Right. Uh, but also school counsellors can be fantastic. A- and we really start with helping our young people understand what's going on for them. So they might think, well, mum's going to have an accident while I'm at school. And they they learn that um, they learn about their cognitions. Learn about okay, I'm recognizing my first thought. It can be a bit of a chicken and egg, which comes first, but often it's the cognition or the thinking that comes first, the fear based thinking. So they recognize um, not to feed what we call the worry monster, and and they often feed it by refusing to do certain behaviors. And so we help them manage their behaviours and and manage their physical feelings. And often when we can manage the thoughts and we manage the behaviours, a lot of those nausea and headaches suddenly disappear. And so what we do with with our children at home, um, your your listener might be able to think about um, starting small steps, so breaking things down into tiny steps, maintaining routine, getting books ready and breakfast ready and uniforms ready the night before so that those aren't roadblocks in the morning. Okay, yes. But to not be overwhelmed by everything that you have to do to get out the door, but take it one step at a time. And so for some of our children, it might be as much as initially just getting out the car and attending first period. Uh, But 
really enlisting the help of a staff member or friends who the staff at school have enlisted as their as their support buddy, for example, walking them into school, attending two periods next week rather than just one that we attended this week. So building up slowly and really helping our children recognising gains and wins, verbalising what they've done well at, recognising what they did well in the past that they can draw on uh, to be brave and find courage for the next time and really just helping them maintain perspective. So thinking this will pass and uh, often in therapy we we get them to rate on a scale between one and 10. How are you feeling now before you walk into school? And they'll often say nine out of 10, it's terrible. I'm going to collapse. And then afterwards we say, how did you actually feel? And many of them will go, oh, I was actually only a four. Mm. And and when they can often scale their worries, what happens is it it comes more into perspective and it becomes more manageable. Uh, so there's lots of things our um, therapists will use, but Really at home, it's it's getting them out into sunshine, doing the, the basic things like good nutrition and getting a bit of exercise, getting oxygen to the brain, being encouraging, practicing gratitude, knowing with your teenager that this will pass and really just getting the support around you because I've seen it so many times, it doesn't last forever. Thank you, Colette. We would love to hear from you. We'd love your feedback, your comments, your questions. You can contact us via the Hope Media app at the Raising Teens page or hopepodcast.com.au. Find the Raising Teens page and we would love to hear from you. See you next time. This is a Hope 1032 production. Thanks for listening.